0: You're listening to Broadcast Behind the Screens, a podcast brought to you by Broadcast and Broadcast Intelligence. This week, we're chatting to John Trone and Sarah Sappa all about their new Food Network series, John Trone's Island. Hello, everyone.
1: And welcome back to Broadcast Behind the Screens. I'm Heather Fallon, one of the reporters on Broadcast.
0: And I'm Alice Redmond, Head of Content at Broadcast
1: Intelligence. So as we've got a special bonus podcast coming out on Friday, we're not going to talk about what we've been watching. And instead, we're just going to launch straight into our green lights of the week. Yeah, really excited for Friday's podcast. But
0: in the meantime... So my Greenlight of the Week is a show that it's more a show that I just want to discuss and that is the Peacock series Hysteria which was greenlit um, I think actually last week. It's set in the 1980s and it's a coming-of-age story exploring the satanic panic of the 1980s. It follows a group of teams in a heavy metal band and when the high school quarterback disappears the band members capitalise on their town's sudden interest in the occult by building a reputation as a satanic metal band. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. And then they also get accused of a bizarre series of murders, kidnappings and reported supernatural activity because they've cashed in on this uh, heavy metal Satan
1: thing. It's, It's very nicely drawing on... The Stranger Things talk that you've been <laughs> continuing throughout the podcast.
0: I know well, that's what I wanted to discuss because I'm kind of intrigued at how many 1980s themed or mystery themed or you know, yeah. this series like that have come out of the popularity of Stranger Things. I mean, you've got that Amazon show, The Paper Girls, which is I think it's a wholly different story. It's based off a graphic novel that I think was out probably before even Stranger Things exploded in the way it has now. But it's being kind of billed as Amazon's answer to Stranger Things because it's set in the 80s and it's got time travel and it's got supernatural elements. So I just really want to eventually do some digging into the programme index data and see if you can chart, like, Strange Things comes out, this show gets greenlit set in the 1980s, Strange Things 2 comes out, this show gets greenlit It's about kids fighting monsters. You know, there's just such a... So much. But yeah, a lot of that series from Peacock is very similar to what's been going on in series four of Stranger Things. I'm just intrigued.
1: Yeah, with the whole satanic, the D&D kids not being trusted. I think Netflix's Stranger Things definitely set off. An 80s trend. There's absolutely no denying that. And I'm sure if you typed into the program index 1980s, you would find a whole plethora of content. But they do it in factual as well, because I was thinking I watched a documentary on BBC Two about Thatcher and Reagan and like the special relationship that they had during the 80s. And it's kind of spilled out into all the other genres. And it's crazy how influential one show can be in kick-starting a trend that you see across the board and I'm really curious what the next trend will be because we're still seeing it's got such a long tail the mm. 80s trend.
0: Yeah so and it's all kind of also part of a much broader trend of nostalgia and us all thinking about recent history and you can see it from things like Jade, the reality star that changed Britain on Channel 4, Blair and Brown documentary as well. Like, we don't really want to look at necessarily World War II anymore. We want to look at the 90s and the 80s and see...
1: And the early noughties. And
0: the early noughties. And see how that's shaping us. And I think that's that's interesting.
1: Yeah, early noughties documentaries, are straight in there at the moment. <laughs>
0: yeah. What about you? What's your green word for the we week, Heather?
1: So... I was very relieved to see that David Attenborough is returning to the BBC for a lovely wildlife series called The Wild Isles. And it's all about replenishing the wildlife in the UK and the island as well. And I just love these blue chip wildlife documentaries. I think especially with the mental weather that we've been experiencing at the moment, it's absolutely pouring with rain, but we've been in drought for the last month. So it feels very apt to explore our ecosystem, although it's actually not TXing until twenty twenty three. So I will be waiting a while for it.
0: Yeah. I think a day without ample is like
1: it's such a comfort watch even though a lot of the time then he's he doesn't shy away from the kind of serious environmental impacts but it still manages to feel like warm cup of tea programming
0: Mm, and that is what we need
1: we need a cup of tea
0: (laughs) (laughs) we need need a cup of tea So this week I spoke to John Taroad, TV chef, you might know him from being half of a iconic duo of a BBC series called MasterChef, but also Sarah Zappa from Cornelia Street Productions and we spoke about their series which is currently airing on Food Network, John Taroad's Island. Thank you both so much for joining me today John and Sarah, it's great to have you on the podcast. I think It'd be great to kick off if you both could talk a bit about the project and the the show and how it all came to be.
2: Uh, uh, over to you Sarah.
3: Oh thanks John. Where did it begin? Well it began very much with a love of Irish food. So Cornelia Street is based both in London and in Dublin and although I, I live in London I, I obviously I go to Dublin a lot for Cornelia Street and Every time I went there, I was eating this amazing Irish food. And, mm-hmm. and everybody was saying, well, you've got to get out of Dublin. You've got to go down to Ballymaloo. You've got to go to Cork. You've got to go to Galway. And I thought, yes, yes, I do. And what better way of doing it than with, in the company of John and with Food Network. So it was really based from a personal experience of just knowing how amazing Irish food was and then also realising Actually, a lot of people in the UK just don't know anything about it at all.
2: I think the other thing to say is that, you know, over lockdown, many of us realised that we couldn't travel as far as we wanted to. And it it gave everybody an opportunity to discover their own neighbourhood. And one of the things I think that we all did was sort of went, oh, how come we haven't really discovered Ireland very much and why haven't we discovered England very much and I I think that sort of was also you know it it helped a lot and the proximity allowed us to be able to duck in and out rather than having to do one massive big amount of work and with all of us being pretty busy and doing various things and restrictions and stuff it just it gave us a bit of freedom and I think at that stage also freedom was really important and I think everybody in production was always concerned if you were planning a massive long production what might happen and I think that's the honesty of it what could have happened at any stage if you do a sort of six-week block and we didn't have to worry about that because we were going backwards and forwards.
3: Yeah no no, I absolutely agree with that. I've also got to say big shout out to the Irish Tourist Board because they realise that you know to keep their industry going they need to attract as many visitors to to Ireland as possible and so they launched an annual production grant or, or competition where you could apply for funding, if you had good program ideas that were going to showcase Ireland in the best possible light, and Cornelia Street was, was was fortunate enough to to get one of those those funding grants. So obviously, with with a substantial slab of money to then go into Food Network, and with a, a fantastic idea, and with a fantastic presenter in John, I think it then sort of became quite a, a, a compelling a compelling commission.
0: I imagine it's so interesting because like you said we never kind of think about the places that are on our doorstep as places to travel for food and I guess it worked out really well with you know being able to dip in and out like you said John and what kind of just going a little bit off the TV topic but like what what food did you sample in Ireland like I'm so intrigued to hear.
2: Well, I mean, there's all sorts of things. We did everything from a sort of conventional meat pie where we did with the guys at Redmond Farm, which was, you know, made from their own beef, which they, we saw them, you know, rearing their own beef and then having their own hotel where they actually cured their own beef and, you know, dry aged it, then made their own pies. All the way up to, to Dublin Coddle, which is a very sort of classic dish made from boiled sausage with potatoes and various things, which it also has the nickname of, of Widow's Memory because of the way in which the boiled sausages <laughs> look floating in the top, which is fairly divisive. In fact, when it when out about the whole and there was a sort of big thing about Dublin coddle there was there was lots of comments coming whether people liked it or not we did things like the smoked salmon with with you know amazing people who had sort of bought their craft from the Nordic states we we did bits of belly pork we did all sorts of things but I I suppose that this is what it was really was just showcasing the, the variety of of dishes that had now come and become the mainstay of Ireland. I mean, for me, one of the most exciting things was was that sort of story that went with all those dishes, whether it be Cole Cannon and how Colcannon Cannon came about. But the bub- Dublin coddle that really got me in the fact that pork and pigs and hams and gammon and all those things, which is so important to Irish cuisine, were brought about because beef and butter and various things were being exported to colonies they were they were by the corn laws were being told that to be exported pigs were used to keep things clean the streets clean your garden clean get rid of your rubbish and all that sort of stuff so everybody had a pig so at the end of every year you, had, you sort of had a, a big fat pig and so what you end up with was what do you do with it you end up with sausages and hams and everything else and that's why the sort of the, the general populace of dublin ate pork and i think that's really interesting Really, really fascinating stuff. But of course, the food that, and that, that you know, that in itself is, is delicious. I think the coddle is a, is a divisive dish. Do have a look if you haven't had a look yet. But with a pint of Guinness, I think you can wash down most things with a pint of Guinness.
0: <laughs> yeah, I feel like the Guinness must have been a great, great addition to most meals. And taking it back, kind of, Sarah, you said you had Tourism Island on board already before you took it to Discovery. So how did that kind of process come about?
3: Well, as I say, the Air uh, Tourism Island had this open competition. I think I think about six hundred production companies applied for, for this grant and several were successful. As I say, we we were one of them. And then to have a significant probably it was about a third of the budget was covered by that, to then go to to Discovery and saying, look, we've got a third covered, I know made things easier for them because obviously money always Always talks, doesn't it?
0: And how did you how did you pitch the show to Discovery?
3: Oh gosh, it was it was a fun pitch. I still haven't met my day to day commissioning editor Matt Reed face to face. All our, our viewings and uh, mm. discussions have always been over. Zoom. But then I had a, a mass Zoom pitch with Charlotte Reed, Claire Laycock and various other people from Discovery. It felt like my whole screen screen was full and it was just me on the other side. And they were very open to it. I think, it, as, as John says, there was a, definitely a move for wanting to have more home travel, but wanting to be able to take people outside of the ordinary. So that, that's where, you know, going to Ireland, which is certainly for a UK audience, isn't that. For Certainly the places we're going to. And also they were really keen to have John back on the channel again. John has done lots of shows for them. He's he's a known face. They know that he performs well. He engages with, with their audience. But They were also very excited. We were talking about how we wanted to work with John on this particular show, that it was going to be less of John actually getting his hands dirty cooking. But it was also the fact that you know John's interest and passion in food just worked really well to, to get people talking about about everything, and that is certainly something that Discovery were were very keen for us to explore. And in terms of filming the show, flashback to like a year or so ago, we were coming
0: out of a pandemic. Travel hasn't really started up as much as maybe we would have liked to have made it easy for you to be doing travelogs all around the world. Kind of What was the process like of getting over to Ireland and dealing with kind of the repercussions of all of that?
3: I mean, it was that sense of at any point the shoot could have been stood down. We didn't have a budget that we could take COVID insurance. I think the longest shoot was actually 10 days, but it was just that meant that if the worst happened and somebody did contract COVID, it meant that it wasn't going to be a complete, complete disaster. I mean, it still would have been awful, but it wouldn't have been so bad. But I mean, we had to do all the things that had pre-COVID checks have uh, passenger located
2: forms all these sort of things that happened i think out of that came a lot of positives i think there came a, a lot of sort of you know you had to be very very quick on your feet think on your feet you the the idea of filming outside meant that you couldn't really necessarily be safe about it and you had to take a lot more risks i think the other thing was that by by jumping backwards and forwards it gave us a bit of time to breathe i think it really you know for me as far as a presenter's concerned not doing massive blocks Made a massive difference to me. It gave me time to think about it and really absorb the information and really take it on, rather than it just being you know a sort of almost a, like a junket. So I think there was great benefits to it as well. I think that you know COVID for for all its faults and what it does has sort of in a way revolutionised for those who are willing, I suppose, to take that risk, who are willing to think slightly differently, who are willing to be a little bit more artistic about it. And you know what, it, it's interesting, isn't it? The sort of when I look at it now I've, I've been watching it is that the distance doesn't come across and I talked to my dad who's in Australia and because it's being shown in Australia at the moment which is very exciting and he said to me you can't even tell the difference you can't tell the whole thing about the distance you don't the way in which it's been shot doesn't look like you're just miles apart from each other which of course when you first present does feel like that but what it does do it just it it changes your dynamics slightly and and I quite like it I quite enjoyed it really it was quite good you know there was those bits to it which we found a bit difficult and about in reality, you know, it, it wasn't it wasn't too bad at all, and and because of the the restrictions, we also didn't know what could happen to Ireland. You know, we didn't know if one day we're out there, they might just decide to close everything down. So, but yeah, in a, in a way, I, I sort of I, I think we all embraced it, didn't we, Sarah? We embraced yeah. it.
3: No, totally, and I, I agree. I, I think it was out of that because it was over such a, a long period of time. I think we all created a really great bond you know we're a, a small crew and then you know it just it just it just really built and it and it, I've got to say it was one of the most joyous shoots I've ever been on and mm. you know like that that's thanks to everybody who who was contributing and plus there was a genuine excitement when we rocked up I mean I mean honestly I know John is amazingly well known here but honestly in Ireland it was like I don't know, it was like Elvis coming out. The number <laughs> of people. We were walking down Greystones High Street, which is a small town just outside of Dublin, and there were just, like, kids running across the road. And that was the thing that really struck me, was how many young children really, really... Engaged with John, wanted to do selfies with John, and I, it it was it was just really lovely, and it, it was all lovely. It was all very joyous. I think the main comment I got from people afterwards, who when they'd been filming with John, because a lot of people hadn't done telly before, they said they'd been really nervous and they were really worried about it, but they just all sort of said how much John set them at ease. And then particularly when I then turned round and saw John doing the dishes on on several occasions, we were all just like going, "Wow." you know th- th- this is fantastic so no, so so big up to john, john well that's
2: Claire. very good i think there's <laughs> something really easy about the people of ireland as well is that they, there's no pretense there and oh my god they love a story so that's really good but i also i think one of the, the joys about that is that and i think going back to the whole you know covid thing is that that they are really good at at putting a positive spin on everything you know i mean if they sort of step in mud on the street, they go, well, that's all right. I always wanted a pair of brown shoes. It's like, oh, how did you get to that? I mean, you know, it's like, I mean, they're really good at it. They're really good yeah. at being very, very positive. So, yeah. I, And I and I think that makes it, made it a lot easier as well, you know, for, for all of mm.
0: us. It sounds like you had just such a lovely time filming, and I'm kind of jealous. But the series you mentioned, John, is airing in Australia as well, and it is a co-pro with SBS Australia. And Sarah, I wondered if you could talk about how kind of you got SBS on board and that all came about.
3: Well, I've got to say, SBS have been incredibly supportive, and, and we're absolutely delighted that it, it's being shown there. It was really easy. I'm not. I know I'm not meant to say that, but it was. A, it was a, a straightforward yes. I think as, as soon as that they knew it was John, what we were doing, it, it was a, a straightforward forward yes. So it was. It wasn't hard. I felt like I was pushing through a very wide and open, open door there. But but it made all the difference because you know. Budgets are tight and, and every bit of pre-sell and extra bits of money just help. And, and that it was, it was very great for, gratefully received.
2: There's something very nice about making a programme and walking out your front door and your next door neighbour, but, you know, somebody across the road jumps out the door. Anne-Marie, who I've known for a while, who's Irish, she came running out the other day and went, My mum has just been watching you in Ireland and she absolutely loves it. (laughs) And then as I walked to the shop to pick up a loaf of bread after she's saying that, you know, saying, Thanks very much indeed. And then I get a a, a message from a guy called Neil McGuigan, who makes wine in Australia, I worked with for years, ago. Me and Deborah are sitting watching you in Ireland. It's amazing. We're loving it. And then <laughs> I rang my dad, and my dad very rarely watches anything I'm on, and he said to me, "I've just been watching you on telly, John. I think it's very good, mate. I think you've done a good job." So, so, so you know, it's really interesting, isn't it that that there's a, that it is it is playing out around the world, and that people are really in 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 you know enjoying it and being involved in it and waiting for the next one to come out and i love the fact that actually discovery have not just done it as a block but they're releasing one a week and and i didn't think that was the original intention so one it gives me a great boost for social media the other thing it gives gives me a chance to watch them because of you know don't have to watch them all at once but i'm really pleased that with this sort of being staggered and and it's making a massive difference and people are really commenting on it and people are loving it lisa's instagram is absolutely chock-a-block full of great comments about the whole thing
3: one of my favourite favourite parts of the filming was when we filmed when John attempted to make soda bread with Darina Allen, and it's it's in episode three, and I just love that whole thing because to me, Darina Allen has always been a doyen of Irish food, well of food in general. But to to a to see her in action making soda bread, but but b see her bossing around John is just priceless. <laughs> Sounds great.
0: And, you know, we spoke a little bit about how the pandemic and Brexit made the way you filmed different and, you know, adapted to what situations were in front of you. But also, I think generally the past couple of years for food and for travelogues and things like that, it really has changed industry-wide how things are being made, how things are being done, also how producers are thinking of ideas. And I mean, John, you've been a staple of the food television world for a very, very long time. What do you think is the future of food and travel lodge a travel lodge travel programming like what what do you think is going to come next
2: well i I don't know i I think i think that the i would think that the local is going to be a big thing and i feel i think that i think that's really important i think superior knowledge is going to disappear and what i mean by that is people who are experts necessarily and i know they sort of know things but i think that people want to go on a journey yeah. And I mean, documentaries are one thing, and that's really great. But I think when it comes to food, you know, everybody wants to know a little bit more. And I was watching something the other day, and we were talking about Tagah- Tagahashi. And I said to the to the contributor, Niall, I said, you know, tell the world about Tagahashi, what it is, because I know what it is. But a lot of people don't know what it is. And so I think that somehow or another has to maybe change a little bit so that the viewer gets a bit more. I think people want to still go on this journey. I think people want to experience food. I think more people want to go on food holidays. Mm-hmm. You know, I think people do want to go and sit on a sun lounger. But at the same time, even if they're in Menorca, they want to go off somewhere and eat some really good food. They do. They travel for it. And I think a lot more people are doing that. So I think the world of food and travel is, is just going to get bigger and better. Well, I hope it does because I quite like doing that. It's not a bad job when you consider it. Although Lisa said to me, actually, Lisa was watching the other night, and she said to me, she went, I'm full just watching you how much food you've got to eat. (laughs) She said, you keep on, how do you do that? She said, just keep on eating, you know, and there was one bit we did with a pub and we did literally did five things one after the other. And that was after a full day of, of eating. And yeah, I mean, it gets, it's, it's challenging. It's challenging. That's for sure.
3: And Sarah, how about, what do you reckon? Uh, I would echo a lot of what John's saying. I think it is about local, Sustainable is, is going to be, I believe it's going to be a big watchword for a, a lot of, of food programming moving forward. And I think it's going to be increasingly getting out of a, a studio, being immersed, you know, really taking the, the viewer on, on on that journey. But to talk a bit more about funding and the producer side of things, I, I think it is it is obviously going to be a challenging market for all of us. And it is going to be inventive ways of, of funding and and looking at diff- different different ways ways of doing it. And I think it is that, that that's going to be be the future
2: but I also think that, that going back to that, Sarah, I think there's there's also as far as maybe you know, from my own point of view, I think there'll be the negotiation that used to happen a long time ago, and that was that, that as a presenter you would take a risk and maybe take a little bit less money front end. In fact, probably a lot less money at front end, and consider what you'd take back end. And I know that back end disappeared. And as far as production goes, I think it's probably the wrong thing that ever got. I think it's probably one of the worst things that ever happened was buyouts. I think from my point of view, I, I'm very happy to go and do it. And if it doesn't work, well, that's my fault, and I've got to I, I've got to make sure i put it in the work in and that, that what you're doing is you're working with a production company to guarantee success and not try and make sure that you you don't you don't achieve the goal because you're asking far too much money up front not that our, our agents are even going to probably necessarily agree with that, but but you know i think there has to be a bit of give and take and i and i you know i think that we I think we sort of achieved that really a little bit with Cornelia Street. And I think that going forward, that's, I think, the way to go, you know, whether it be, you know, Co-Pros or whatever. But I think that one of those, that the old style way in which people used to work is, is a good way of working, especially as far as I'm concerned. Yeah,
3: no, no, I, I would totally echo that. And I think it, it's that thing is that making a, a, a TV show, it's not just one individual or several individuals, it's a whole group of people. And I think when you've got that whole group working together with that shared aim, you know, you, you start getting magic, really.
0: Amazing. And so other than a potential second series which I'm sure you are both very interested in, what's coming up next for the pair of you?
2: Well, I mean I I you know I'm always hopeful on something new and something exciting and I but you know at the moment I've got Masterchef will continue. Um and as you have probably seen, Masterchef is moving to Birmingham. So Birmingham and being a, and the BBC and Masterchef have of constructed some long-term deal which i hope that i'm part of we we don't know where that works but we, i would hope that we are part of john and lisa's weekend kitchen's just been recommissioned so we start filming that again in january which we're very very excited about you know there's there's sort of the odd food show here and there and various things so and then you know hopefully with that continuing that that we are able to do some more travel logs and to to get out and about. Whether that's be local, whether that be out, you know, somewhere far and wide, I'm not quite sure. But, you know, we'll we'll see what goes on. I have plenty of places I'd like to see. I'd love to go and do Japan. I mean, if any, you know, Japan would be please one of my the greatest things to do for the simple reason that that trying to just get around without actually knowing what to do without a street sign in English at all or a menu in English would be brilliant just for for the crack, I think, as the Irish would say. But I think there's also parts of the UK still to discover. You know, I mean, there's the whole of Scotland and the Hebrides, which I think could be really exciting. And there's the whole coastline, but there's also the interior. And as many people know, I like a bicycle. (laughs) <laughs> and there's lots and lots of dis, disused railway lines throughout the whole country, which are which I think could be really, really interesting. And I know that you know people like Portillo and, and Lumley have done have done you know train lines. There's no reason why we can't do disused ones and and find fun people along the way. But you know who knows what will happen.
0: That all sounds great, though. Japan definitely would be an amazing series here.
3: So from a Cornelia Street point of view, of course, we we very much hope to be on that journey with John. And as he says, both home and abroad. So, yeah, watch this space. We're just about to start another uh, travel log series with, with a very well-known UK presenter, which I can't actually say who <laughs> it is at the moment because everything isn't quite signed yet, but which which we're very excited about. We're very much talent we're a talent-focused production company, so we have other projects with, with other talent that, that we're developing. Our other arm is that we do a lot of UK-Canada co-productions, particularly in, in the history space, Enslaved being a, a, a notable, and we have several other history projects that are just about to build up and, and, and get the go button, but with those, they're always such a coalition of different funders. It's, I always think it's like, you know, like when you're in a kid and playing those games, It at the end of the pier when one one weeble comes up and one goes down you get one funding and then it comes up and goes down but but I, I know we'll get there
0: amazing that sounds great well thank you both so much for chatting to me today it's been lovely to hear all about the series and how filming went so thank you John's comments at the end about talent and working with producers in a new way or as he said the old way really interesting and also what he said about you know the end of the expert and how the audience wants to go on a journey with the host discovering new things together instead of being told new things.
1: Yeah he's also put out a very clear message that he wants to go to Japan.
0: Yeah so if you're uh, thinking of doing a food travelogue in Japan John's your man. (laughs)
1: Oh, nice. And that's us for this week. So thank you for listening. Yeah,
0: don't forget to rate,
1: review, subscribe
0: and be ready for an extra special bonus episode coming on Friday.
1: I am so excited. We'll give you a clue. (laughs) Bye.